this morning before I preach, it was just a wonderful worship service, wasn't it? But before I preach, praise God. Before I preach, I just felt in my heart, I just wanted to minister this song. Um, in the presence of Jehovah. In the presence of Jehovah. And so I pray this will bless you today as I minister this song. Let it touch you. Let it speak to you because we're going to be preaching on the uh, Pentecost. We're going to be preaching on Pentecost. It's going to be a wonderful word of God. I know because we've had a wonderful time in the first service. So I pray this will bless you. Think about it. Whenever you're going through uh, some of the hardest times of your life or just you're just at a place, you're like, Lord, I need your presence. He always shows up. He always shows up at the perfect time. He's a timely God. He's a timely God. And so I just praise the Lord. Let these words minister to you today. In and out of situations that dug a war with me all day long, I struggled for the answers that I need. But then I come into his presence and all my questions become clear and from that sacred moment no doubts can interfere in the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles vanish, and my heart is made. It's a place to find the answer in the hour of distress. Now there's never any reason for you to give up in despair. Just slip away and breathe His name. God. 
church just take a moment just lift your hands just thank him today for his presence in the presence of in your presence we have peace that passes all understanding In your presence, Lord, in the presence of the King. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give him praise and honor and glory. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'll get you ahead of the uh, the curve here. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to go ahead and dismiss the kids and they can go to their class. And Justin's their teacher today. and So he's all excited. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Beautiful crowd today. I just love to see people come into the house of God and be here in His presence. Amen. Can you guys give me just a little bit of monitor on here, a little bit more, so I can make it through this second service? Thank you, Jesus. And I'm, I'm preaching today... Um, the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost. And um, I had somebody on Thursday night that came. I, I don't know if they're a new Christian or not. But um, I said, it's Pentecost Sunday on, on Sunday. And they said, what does that mean? And I said, oh, amen. You need to come to the service. Well, they came this morning. And uh, I didn't think we were going to be able to finish 
you know, we might have to bump that morning service up earlier so we can have a little more time. Amen. I feel rushed and don't want that. And But um, I, I said, well, I said, just come Sunday morning. I said, you'll hear what it's all about, what it, what it means. And I'm going to preach that this morning. But I'd like to read the second uh, chapter of the book of Acts, starting with verse 1. And we'll go down to verse 4. And then we'll, get, we'll pray and we'll get right into this. Amen. So it says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, aren't you thankful for the suddenly? Amen. Suddenly he comes to you and I this morning. But suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. Let's pray over this word this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and to break open the bread of life and to celebrate and worship you on this Pentecost Sunday. God, today I pray that you will just make everything in your word real, that you will begin to bring light, Lord, and instruction, and God, encouragement and revelation from your word today. I truly ask you, God, I cannot do anything without your power and your Holy Ghost. And I'm asking you today to speak through me, God, to this congregation. Let your word go forth and pierce and penetrate the heart of each and every hearer. And God, we'll give you all of the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we ask you to bless it. Amen and amen and amen. I believe God's going to anoint me today to speak what He wants to say on this Pentecost Sunday. Now, I do want to say today before I move along any further that if we have any veterans in this house, we want to remember you and know that we memorialize you today and thank God for those that have went home that died in combat, that died, and the veterans that fought for our freedom. Freedom is not free, amen? It costs somebody. Your relationship with God and the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ was not free. It cost the Lord Jesus His life. But you and I today can enjoy the freedoms in this country so long as we stand for them and we continue to fight and stand for them because I can tell you, if we do not, they will be gone. I'm not a political person, but I'm going to tell you right now, this generation needs to wake up. I read an article that said the president from El Salvador said, I've never seen such an awesome and mighty and powerful world power begin to go down the drain so fast. That was the president of El Salvador. We've got to pray for our country, amen. We've got to pray for proper leadership. We've got to pray for the blessing of God, that the the people of God will come back, amen. That the, the nation will begin to be righteous again and then we'll have, I can tell you, the blessing of God. Everybody says, God bless America. I said, America needs to bless God. Amen. And worship Him. Praise the Lord. So we remember our veterans today and we honor you and those that passed 
and fought for our freedom. But I want to preach for a little bit here the day of Pentecost, and that's the title of my message. You know, if you study Christianity and you go through the book of Acts and the four Gospels, you know that Christianity had five great days. Think about it, five great days. The first great day was the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. What an awesome day that was. The second great day was the day of Jesus' crucifixion. I know it was a horrific, barbaric death that he died, but thank God he took it. Thank God he laid down his life, rather. Nobody took it from him, but he laid down his life so that we could have salvation. We have a Savior. His name is Jesus. It's not a self help. It's not do what you can do to make heaven your home. It's not do enough good works. It's not through any other kind of, 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 of religion, but it's through the blood of Jesus that we are saved. There is no redemption or atonement without the blood. The life is in the blood the Bible says. Science even teaches you that life is in the blood. If the blood's gone there's no more life but we know that life is in the blood and Jesus shed his blood and that was the second great day uh, in Christianity was the crucifixion. The birth and the crucifixion but then there was a third day that was awesome and that was the day Jesus rose from the grave. Amen. Amen. Because the grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him down. And he is, he is risen, yes indeed, and alive today. Not only is he alive, but he's alive in you and me today. So that was the third greatest day. The fourth greatest day was when he ascended because he went to the throne and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Why is his ascension so powerful and so great? Because had he not went and said, Lord, I gave my life and God the Father accepted his sacrifice and so you and I have freedom and forgiveness of sin today because Jesus was accepted as a spotless sacrifice. Amen. He was a propitiation which is the cooling and appeasing of God's wrath because I can tell you without Jesus we're the enemy of God. But there were four days I just shared the birth, the death, the resurrection and the ascension. But the greatest and I believe applies to us today. I shouldn't say the greatest but at least to us personally the day of Pentecost was the fifth most awesome day amen in Christianity and history of the Bible what did Pentecost mean we need to hear this today we know that it's 50 days after the resurrection it was symbolic not symbolic but it represented if you will with me the Old Testament feast of weeks it was called in the Hebrew the Shavat it was the festival of weeks, the marking the beginning of the wheat harvest so it represented 50 days after the resurrection, the Old Testament, it was 50 days after, you know, that week of the Passover, only in the New Testament it is marked and the beginning of the harvest of souls I shared in the first service and I said when Moses came down off of Mount Sinai and he had the tablets in his arms, the Ten Commandments and he saw them dancing around that golden calf he dropped those tablets on the ground and they broke you know P Lee Ship said he did that beca 
was. He knew they could never keep that law. But thank God we had a Savior that came that fulfilled the law to the letter. On that day, 3,000 men died at Moses' day. But when Jesus rose from the grave, ascended, and the Holy Ghost was poured out, 3,000 souls were saved that day on the day of Pentecost. So spiritually, what did it mean? First of all, it proclaimed a spiritual age had arrived. Aren't you thankful for a spiritual age that has arrived? I remember when I came to Jesus and I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, Pentecost came to me. The Holy Ghost and that experience came to me. And a new age had arrived. But in the Bible, it was a spiritual age that had arrived. If you study the Word of God, you know Jesus prophesied in John 7, 37 through 39 if any will come unto me and will come unto me all out of his belly and he thirsts, you got a thirst but he said if any will come unto me and thirst out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water he was speaking about the Holy Ghost but in verse 39 it says he was speaking of the Spirit of God but it wouldn't happen until he was glorified so the greatest thing was this amen, that the Holy Ghost had come because Christ had fulfilled what the word of God said had to be fulfilled so the Holy Ghost has come Pentecost proved Christ rose from the grave how do you know that pastor because the apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1 I'm giving you Bible today I don't just want to talk and pull something out of the sky but Romans 1 and 4 said that he was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead amen by the resurrection from the dead The Holy Ghost had come. Christ's resurrection proved, amen, that he rose. And and, and Pentecost proved that. But it opened the way of salvation to everyone that would come unto him. In Acts 2.21, the Bible says this, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're here today and you're going through this life and you're not born again, you're not saved, you're not a Christian, you're not living for God, you can cry out to God and call upon his name and He will hear you and respond to you. Praise God, we don't have to have a specific prayer nailed down. We don't have to have a theological degree. We just need to call upon the name of the Lord and He will hear us and save us. When I got saved, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I just knew I was a horrible, wicked human being. Amen. And I knew that the only thing that could change me was God. Because I saw God change those people in that church. And one thing I knew for sure, in the midst of them, that I was not like them, but I could become like them if I just received Jesus as my Savior. Woo! So it opened up the way of salvation. Pentecost did to whosoever will. Not just the Jews, but the Gentiles. Everyone could come to know Christ. Pentecost produced evidences of salvation. How? Oh, listen to this today. Y'all aren't as excited as the first crowd was. Amen. I expected a little bit more out of you. Don't sit on me now. Amen. We were shouting and praising and worship, so stay here with me. 
<laughs> Pentecost produced evidences of salvation. How did it do that, Pastor? The Bible's very clear. You know what's so beautiful is I'm going to stay right here in the book of Acts and prove everything that I'm saying to you. But in the book of Acts, it proved, Pentecost proved evidences of salvation by means of the senses. Listen, by means of the senses. Yes, God expects us to believe, but He always follows faith with manifestation. He always follows faith with manifestation. He manifests His presence and His Spirit through your senses. Amen. And He did that day. How did He do that? pastor the bible says that they heard in their ears a sound from heaven that's exactly what it says and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind it wasn't it uh, it was a sound that they heard that was so powerful and so significant that they marked it in the bible the holy spirit inspired that so god touched them in their ears god touched them in the senses of what they could hear god wants to touch you and I and what we hear. Amen? Because we hear a lot of things and we believe them. But today, I encourage you to believe what the Word of God says and what God is saying to you. He can save you. He can change you. He can put your life back together. He can heal your marriage. He can deliver you from drugs. He can deliver you from alcoholism. He can heal you from perversion. He can heal you, but you gotta listen. You gotta listen, but the Spirit is saying to the church and to you today not only did he speak into their ear and they heard a sound from heaven but they saw with their eyes senses they heard they saw what did they see there appeared unto them they saw cloven tongues as a fire so in other words they heard a sound as a mighty rushing wind they saw a cloud of fire not a cloud but a flame of fire that set upon each of them the bible says they saw it They heard it. God touches you and you see it. You hear it. You hear the word. You feel the... Have you ever had somebody say something to you and you're like, Whoa, I got that. I heard that. It touched me. Somebody's saying, I'm feeling that now. Praise God. But you see things. Well, I haven't ever seen a tongue of fire or a flame of fire. No, but you've seen the power of the Holy Ghost change a person's life. God has showed you their life. Some of you in here, you say, that person was rotten the whole time I knew them. But when Jesus got a hold of their life, the Spirit of God changed them. Oh, hallelujah. The third sense was their feeling. The Bible says it sat upon each of them and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. It sat upon them. They felt the presence. They saw the presence. They heard the presence. And they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Not as a preacher taught them. Not as a preacher said, repeat after me. I heard somebody say one time, just speak baby talk. I said, no, 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 no. You don't teach somebody and say, just repeat after me. No. If somebody taught you how to speak in tongues, it's not the Spirit, it's another Spirit. But if you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and you will speak with new tongues as the Spirit of God puts it in you and you speak it. That's Pentecost. That's the Spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There was a sense 
that they felt. But greater evidence was this. Listen. He gave them senses, but he also gave them power. Oh, it's so awesome because some people just feel. They just see. They just hear, and that's great. But some people have that authority of that power. It's the power of God comes upon those full of the Holy Ghost. The power to become what you could not become before. The power to overcome. You don't understand, Pastor, I've got anger issues. I've got, you know, anxiety. I've got depression. I've got these things that I'm dealing with. I've got, you know, abandonment issues. I've got victim issues. I've got rejection issues. I've been hurt. I've been absolutely marred in my life. God has the power to set you free from that. So they felt, they heard, they, they, they saw. But the Bible says greater evidence than even that was that he gave them power. In Acts 1 verse 8, the Bible says, But Jesus spoke it. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So you shall receive power. That was a promise from Christ to be a witness. Not theory, but power. Not just saying this is what the Bible says, but power. I remember I worked with a guy and I was sharing back in 1998 how I was dealing with a demon-possessed person and we were dealing with somebody at church and I remember he sat there. Fred Wrights was his name. He's probably passed away. But he sat there, you know, a religious man and he had a cigarette in his mouth. He said, well, you know, all you got to do is just go over there and put the Bible on him. And I said, really? Just put the Bible on him. I said, I'm going to tell you something. You have never dealt with a demon-possessed person. I said, if you're not careful, if you don't know Jesus and you don't walk in the power and the authority, that devil will take that Bible and slap you and beat you down. I said, you better know the power of God. You don't tiptoe around and, and no donut deliverance. I can promise you that. Amen. Oh, what are you talking about, Pastor? You'll have to ask me at another time. Well, I'll just tell you. There was a youth meeting where there was a demon-possessed person down there and a group that we went to church with. They went down there to that meeting in the youth and there was a woman down there on the ground hissing, eyes rolled back in her head and all that stuff. And she's there totally demon-possessed. And they had a Bible on her chest. And, and, and these people are saying, and, you know, just praying or whatever. Ain't nothing happening. It manifested, but nothing happening. And there's a woman over there eating a donut saying, Come out, devil. There ain't no donut deliverance. I can tell you if you're dealing with the devil, there ain't going to be no donut involved. But my dear friend Shauna Jean and her brother Sheldon, full of the Holy Ghost, began to walk down there. And that devil knew exactly who they were. It looked up at him and it said, don't you touch me. They said, we're going to touch you. Ooh, I felt that. Don't you touch me. They said, we're going to touch you all right. You're coming out. I can tell you the devil knows. He said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Amen. Are you hearing me today? There's power. Power, wonder-working power in the blood, but also in the Spirit of God. 
power to speak for God and power that you didn't have before Pentecost. Peter did not have power to speak for God and stand for God before Pentecost. But after he was full, he began to say what he couldn't say before. Just a few days or 40 days before, he was 43 days before, he was denying Jesus. He was denying Christ. And now, after Pentecost, 50 days later, he is out there preaching with authority and with power. So what you could not do before, you will be able to do by the power of God. Oh, you say, oh, God removed every limitation and obstacle. The fear that was in him was removed. Oh, not only the limitation of fear, but the limitation of language. Because he said, I'm going to remove that barrier. I'm going to use that for you. But I'm going to use it at that moment. So that you can preach and minister. And they'll hear you in their own language. Pastor Duke preached in Georgia. The Republic of Georgia. Not the state of Georgia. But the Republic of Georgia. In English. And a man came up to him. And said, I heard you the whole service in perfect Georgian. Do you speak Georgian? He said, no. Only English and a very little Spanish. He said, well, I heard the whole service in Georgian. That's the Holy Ghost. Everything you said. Ron Hudson was in a meeting, a revival meeting. And he was standing there next to a woman that, no, I'm sorry. That was whenever he laid hands on somebody to be healed. I actually told him to get up. This was another, another time. The Holy Ghost hit him in the service and filled him with the Holy Ghost. And he began to speak in tongues. And there was a man there next to him. He turned over and he looked at him. And after, after he began to stop praying, and he would just kind of come down, you know, off of that time of prayer. That man looked at him and he said, you speak Russian? He said, no. He said, I heard everything you said in Russian. I speak Russian. He said, you spoke the glory of God, the praise of God, the power of God. Everything you spoke was in Russian. He said, I don't know a thing in Russian. I don't know one word in Russian. I even know niet means no. Hallelujah. But, but what I'm trying to say to you is this today. The language barrier was an issue, but God broke through that by way of the Holy Ghost. And he gives us the tongues at that moment so they could minister. But it's also the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 that it's for our ability to be able to commune with God in a way that we could not express ourselves in, in, in a way that, that's satisfactory in us. There's times I'm like, Lord, I don't have the words in my English language. He said, just pray in the Spirit. And what you cannot do in your English, you can do in the Spirit. And you begin to be edified and lifted up oh hallelujah you don't believe me ask Kevin I can tell you ask Kevin he knows he knows God filled him with the Holy Ghost he spoke with tongues and he's filled today totally overflowing never seen God do such a work in a man but God is real his power is real and he said I'll fill you with the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues so the barrier of language was broken through communication came to pass think about that the spirit of God gives us the power of God to communicate. Yeah. 
But there was a power not only to communicate, amen, not only over the fear. But listen, I'm going I'm to preach to you today. I already am, amen. Take a breath. This is a classical Pentecostal preacher. Somebody said, you're a classic Pentecostal preacher. I said, you couldn't have gave me a better compliment. Amen. Amen. I don't want to talk about how the devil's on your back. I don't want to talk about all the negative things and all the things and give the devil more time than I give God. I've come to tell you about the power of God. I've come to tell you about the power of Christ. I've come to preach the victory that he gives us. And there's victory in the blood and there's victory by way of the Spirit. Hallelujah. That there is a power. Think about it. He said you shall receive power. And the power to convince the mind. The Bible says in verse 6 they were confounded. What does that mean? Well, in the, in the translation, it means confused or perplexed. And I use that word confused very, very uh, lightly because I don't want to send the wrong message. But I can tell you, they were surprised. That's another word that's used. They were bewildered. They were excited. They were amazed. They were thrown into disorder. Amen. They were thrown into complete and total disorder. It's like Pharaoh's magicians. They said, sure. Surely this is the finger of God. They were able to duplicate a lot of things that Moses was doing. But there came a point in time when they couldn't do that anymore. And, and they said, we can tell you, Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. You better walk softly. You better be careful because this is God. There's something that God does. And he begins to bring a bewildering and amazement. He brings everything in your life into disorder because he's trying to awaken. Awaken you and I and lift the scales from our eyes in the darkness. My God, listen, Peter was on the shore. And whenever he began to bring in a great harvest of fishes, he was beside himself. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and he said, Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. What he was saying is, the real has showed up today. You've proven yourself so powerful to me today. I've never seen any miracle like this. And he bowed down. Everything in his life was just thrown into disorder because God was trying to bring him into alignment with God. She said, there's a lot of disorder in my life right now. God's trying to bring you in alignment. You know, we go through things because God's trying to wake us up. He's trying to wake you up. Hallelujah. I've seen people come through the door many times this year and last year as they come in and they said, you know what? My marriage is in a bucket. I don't know what else to do. It's all in disarray and disorder. I said, because you need Jesus in the middle of it. God's the one that instituted marriage in the first place and he never instituted it for you to have it without him. You can't have a successful marriage without God. Because where there's Christ in your life, you're forgiving to someone. Whenever the world won't forgive, they just say, I'm done. Divorce. Let's go down the road. Divide everything up. But God said, where Christ is in the middle of that marriage, there's an open heaven. You can pray. And God can move in that relationship. Touch those kids. Touch that marriage. Make it the happiest place on earth. Not Disney, your house. Yeah. 
Do you know how many broken marriages that God has healed in this place? I lost count. And that's just the ones that were honest. I come and said, you know what? We're in a mess. Amen. I know. You know how I know that? Because your kids sit between you in church. Because I can tell you when you love your honey, I'm telling you, you're over there right by her. We're not even halfway done. So it's translated, the power to convince the mind. They were confounded, the Bible says in verse 6, chapter 2, confounded. When this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Think about that. God will come and he disrupts he disrupted their religious order. And he said, let me show you the real. Let me show you the power of God. In 2000 and, I don't know, 13 or 14, we, we live. Amen. Okay. I'm going to leave the names out to protect the innocent. But I had a family member whose mind went to lunch. Had a total breakdown. Bipolar. And they had several events that happened in their life. They lost their marriage. They lost their home. They lost their car. They lost everything. It was a transition period. And they just went completely, had a breakdown. It was a dear family member of mine. And my, 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 my mother asked me to come back. And she said, we've got to go. And we've got to, you, you and your brother have got to go and talk to. You're the preachers in this family. You've got to go talk to this family member, you've got to. And so we went up and we began to visit this family member. And the family member told they were in they were in jail because they had done something that was that was criminal, you know. And and they're in jail, but their mind is still. And so the the the, the sheriff went back and they said, you know what? Uh, this person has said they don't want to see you. And I said, you know what, I flew 2,000 miles, paid my own way, rented a car. And if they're going to tell me they don't want to see me, they're going to tell me to my face. Well, you know why they said I don't want to see them? Because they didn't believe we were there. But when I went back there and I stood in front of that jail cell, because it was like Mayberry, I'm, I'm serious, one cell, a sheriff, and a deputy. No other, no other inmates, nobody else is in jail in that little podunk town. And so here I am, and I'm looking through that jail cell at that person that I love. And I said, you. I said, we're here. And that person looked up, and they went. I said, we're really here. See, the devil has lied to you and told you that, that where you're at and what you're doing but God came to disrupt the lie and disrupt the darkness and disrupt the religion and disrupt the confusion in your life. And it was at that moment they began to turn. It was a process that they began to turn and God began to do a miracle in their life. And at that time, I called this church to prayer. 
and we prayed as a body. I wept and I cried in front of the church and I begged them for this dear beloved family member of mine that they would please pray. And God brought that person through. But why did I say that? Because only God can convince the mind. Only God can bring faith that convinces the mind. And He brings it with signs and wonders. But He brings it nonetheless. So, listen, there was no greater power than when God convinces a mind to serve Him. Sure, there were mockers and there were scoffers, according to verse 12 and 13. Some were mocking, some were scoffing, some were amazed. You know, all of these things, they were accusing them of being drunk. And they said, we ain't drunk on the wine you're talking about. We're, we're, we, we, we may be inebriated in the Holy Ghost, but we're not on, the, on that carnal wine, that corrupt wine. Amen. That's how I know Jesus, when He turned the water into wine, it was grape juice. It was not fermented because they said you brought out the best wine. Usually they bring out the best in the beginning. There's nothing corrupt and fermented in what Christ would make. Never. That's like saying that he allowed sin in that wine and that corruption. And he wouldn't do that. He's pure. That that ought to speak volumes to you today. But the Holy Ghost birthed believers even though there were those that didn't believe and that were mocking and scoffing and doubters. It was a power to do more then just convince the mind. But it was a power to move the will. They said in verse 37, what shall we do? How many times did Jesus' message anger people? But here you've got this group of thousands of people saying, what shall we do? God touched them in their heart. He convinced them in their heart. He changed their will. Some people sitting here today need their will to be changed and altered. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I was there. I was there in church weeks and months and would go to church and feel God's Spirit, but I wasn't ready to surrender that will. I wasn't willing to do what God said I needed to do. And I needed to forgive. I needed to stop doing the smut I was doing. Come on. All the scandalous, corrupt things that I was doing. All the dirty things, the lustful things, the ugly things. He said, you got to stop stealing. I was a thief. Amen. He said, you got to stop lying. Amen. you got to stop all of this that you're doing. When you come and you give your life to Jesus. But there wasn't things I was willing to get rid of. You don't clean yourself up and then come, but when you come, He cleans you up. You have to surrender your will. Am I preaching to you? Almighty God. But He took power over their will because they said, what shall we do? Now they are open to receive. The will was softened. They said in verse 38, what must we do? And Peter said, I'll tell you right now. He said, repent. Repent. What does repent mean? I'm going this way and I turn and I say, God, you know what? Forgive me. Forgive me. I'm going to go back this way. The right way. I'm walking with you. I'm turning. So if you're here today and you say, well, I'm still struggling with a little something. You know what? You need to repent of that. Period. Period. The problem is we have to repent because God will empower your choice. He will empower what He's given you the will to do. But see, we're sitting there and we're not at that place. We're like, "Ah, I don't want to give that up. You have to. 
You have to. If you're going to follow God, you have to. So they received uh, Christ and their will was softened and they repented and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It was power not only to change and convince the mind and to soften and change the will of uh, the will in their heart but it was power to build God's kingdom in verse 41 he says this then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day there was added unto them about 3,000 souls that tells me something about additions and about increase the Lord delivered me a couple weeks ago because I got down and I said Lord you know I just I, I want the church to grow and I want this and I want there to be additions and I want this and Lord I just feel like I'm just not adequate enough I'm just not good enough I'm not preaching well enough I'm not praying enough I'm not he said you don't add to the church I do I add to the church. He said, I told Paul, he said, some sow and seed, some water, some plant, some water, but I give the increase. He said, I'm the one that added to the church on the day of Pentecost. You can't add anything to those people, only I can. You do what you're called to do and preach and leave the results up to me. I said, Lord, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. So if you don't respond today, it ain't on me. I can tell you right now. But God will touch you if you will step out in faith and believe Him today. I love this. It's so awesome. I got freed from performance. He adds, He gives increase in His moment of visitation. And sometimes God will bring about a great crusade of magnitude, you know, a magnitude of crusade of type of ministry where there's thousands that will be saved. Sometimes it's like Cornelius' house where it's just Cornelius and his family. Sometimes it's like William, whenever he ministered to Lorenzo in his garage, there was only two of them, but God came down that day and filled that man with the Holy Ghost. Sometimes God fills you with his spirit and touches you while you're driving in your Mustang and your car. Sometimes you're like my son that's in the shower or in the car and they're praying and God fills you. How do you know you got filled? I can tell you, I knew, amen, when Kyle come and told me, I, I've been filled, Dad, I've been filled. And he said that, and I thought, man, this is powerful. You know, and the Spirit of God came upon him in the shower. God touched him, filled him. We went out to Chipotle. You know you're with God, and then you always do what Pentecostal people do. You go eat. Hey, show me a skinny Pentecostal. I'll show you one. Don't fellowship. I've had people tell me, this is my new life weight. I said, well, you're happy. Amen. You are happy. Praise the Lord. I know we need to put a restraint on it and turn the plate over and we need to fast. Amen. It's not a good testimony, but thank God we got something to eat. And we love to fellowship. We'll get to that in just a second. But sometimes God meets you and ministers to you in the most unorthodox places. And Kyle said, let's go eat. Dad, God filled me. He's just talking a mile a minute. 
you're not going to believe this. I said, I believe it, son. I believe it. We got to Chipotle. We're sitting down eating. He's just sitting there, and he said, the Holy Ghost is telling me to get up and preach. I thought, oh, here? Aquí? Ahora? Yeah, I speak a little Spanish. He stood up on that bench, and I thought, boy, he's going for it. Amen. He started... He said, we need God, Jesus. I don't even remember everything he said, but it was a 30-second message. I'm telling you, those managers came running out from behind Chipotle's counter, and they said, sir, 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 sir you can't do that in here. You have to, you, you can't do that here. So he sat down, and I saw him. I saw he just almost for a second defeat come upon him. He just sat there like, I miss God. I made a fool out of myself. And I said, son, if God told you to do it, the Holy Ghost gave you a boldness to do it. I said, you should have done it and he's going to bless it we sat there for a good five minutes and then all of a sudden this man walked over to the door and he pushed on the double door and he let it come back and he turned around and he looked at my son tears I mean tears streaming down his face and he said thank you Thank you for preaching and saying that. He said, I need God. And he said, I felt that when you said that. And my son said, yeah. He said, it's the Lord. He's telling you. He said, I'm going to go home and pray. But he said, thank you. I said, son, see, the devil's a liar. God gives you power. He gives you power. And he fills you. And he uses you. You know, I preach the kingdom has come unto you the morning that gave Vidrio got filled with the Holy Ghost. I remember, I said, Lord, I said, I'm going to preach this. You know, the kingdom of God has come to you. If I with the finger of God cast out devils, Jesus said, you know of, of, of a surety that kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has come unto you. And I preached that. We had an altar call. And here come Gabe, tears running down his face, hands in the air. And the spirit of God came upon him. And Sister Becky went over there. She laid hands on him, slain in the spirit. I said, my goodness, look at that power. Praise God. Just power. Just fell over. He fell over on the floor rolling in the spirit in tongues praying in tongues God filled that man just like that I'm standing there and I'm like wow amen praise God they were down there praying with him God said I will come and pour out my spirit and sometimes it's one sometimes it's thousands sometimes it's at a campsite where everybody in the cafeteria got something remember that remember that Remember that? I loved it when Kevin came up and I was sitting there next to Jared and we were eating our breakfast and he said, I just want to be filled but I got to go. And Jared said, well, how about we just pray right now? I thought, praise God. Amen. I just We just began to pray. The Spirit of God hit him. Amen. And it was like fire. It just shot through that place. It was powerful. I told Pastor Jared, I said, you know, I've been in Pentecostal churches a long time and services a long time. I said, I, I, that, that, I've never seen anything quite like that. He said, brother, that messed me up. I ain't never seen nothing like it either. It's a first for you and it's a first for me. Because I can tell you the power of God hit and met faith when Kevin got filled that day. But he gave them power to see and to feel 
He gave them power to convince their heart, move their will, and build the kingdom of God. But I believe the greatest power is power to be true. What does that mean? When God gives you the power of God to be true, to be faithful, to be loyal, to be consistent, that's when you really got something. That's when you really got something. Amen. It's not, you know, people say, you know, I, 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 I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in praying in tongues. Sometimes it operates in a gift and interpretation. Not as much as, you know, sometimes I would like, but I don't want to force anything. I want it to be God. I don't want it to be something that's not God. And sometimes people try to interpret and it's not God. But there's times it is God. Amen. But I love to hear people pray in the Spirit. And I love for the Spirit of God to come upon people. But the greatest thing is not the gifts. It's the fruit. It's the character. It's the truth. It's the faithfulness. It's the consistency. It's the steadfastness of the power of the Spirit of God. Because you can say, I pray in tongues or I speak in tongues, you know, but have a life that has no character and has no, you know, love or doesn't have the the fruits of the Spirit. So let me share with you today. I heard somebody the other day, they said, you know, somebody said, I speak in tongues. I said, yeah, but you gossip in English. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, somebody. You say I speak in tongues, but you gossip in English. And if you gossip, the Holy Ghost will say, ah, ah, ah. There have been times I started, God said, don't even say it. Just stop right there. Don't even say it. Because if you're not going to say something good, don't say anything that would ever cast a shadow over somebody. Don't cause what you say to cause anybody to look at them in a negative light. Almighty oh, God. Y'all settled down there for a second. They continued. The power to be true. The power to be faithful. The power to be consistent. They continued in verse 42, the Bible says. I'm not going to preach all day. Stay here with me just a few more minutes. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. The power to remain faithful, steadfast, loyal to doctrine. The Holy Ghost is your radar and your tester inside of you to remain loyal to truth. Not every spirit that comes down the pike. And I'm going to say it because I'm the shepherd and I'm supposed to say it. Nobody's going to teach you like I'm supposed to teach you. You do not have to swallow everything everybody says just because they have Christianity above it. And we watch YouTube and you watch all this stuff on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and everything else. All these other social media outlets. And everybody's a prophet. But you must line everything up to that Bible. Because if you don't, you will swallow without indigestion every foolish thing that comes down the pike. And there's things that are happening right now, uh, belly laughter and gold dust and feathers and all this other nonsense. 
fire tunnels and everything else. Let me tell you something. I heard somebody say, yeah, I went to a baptismal and they didn't have a pool so the kids were just squirting them with water guns as they came down a slide. I said, that is the biggest mockery and profaning of something that God has instituted as something we're supposed to do with sacredness. You're supposed, that is something that means something. It's not a joke. But that's where we're at. And people can say whatever they want to say. You're classical, you're traditional, you're whatever. I'm going to tell you I'm truth. I'm going to preach truth. And I promise you this. I'm going to stay as close to that book and stay in that book and not lean off on the fringe of things. So just because somebody says, yay, I say unto you, doesn't mean it's from God. Now there's people that will say, yea, I say unto you, and it is God. But I'm going to tell you, if we're going to be prophets and we're going to be used in gifts, it must be God because we will confuse people and damn their soul if we don't know what we're saying is for surely of God. It has to be. And there's an accountability there. He said, teachers, be not many masters. Because you're going to bring upon you a greater damnation. You better be careful and make sure that you teach exactly what God's word says. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but don't swallow everything that comes down the pike. There's things that happen and I go, you know what? I don't feel good about that. I'm trying every spirit. Amen. Is it the Holy Spirit or is it another spirit? That's why we need the real Holy Ghost. And be steadfast and loyal to doctrine. And, and have that tester, that inside, you know, check to remain loyal to the truth. In 1 John 2, 27, I love to read this. I read it in the first, you know, uh, the first service. 1 John 2, 27. This is what it says. It says, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. He's not saying that you don't need teachers, because there's the fivefold ministry of preach, of pastor, of apostle, of prophet, of, of, of evangelist, of teacher, and pastor. You have all of these. Amen. You have all of these. Uh, but what I'm trying to say to you is there is a teaching and we need Bible study teachers. There must be teachers. We need to hear the word of God. But what he is saying is that, first of all, you don't need anybody to teach you something that's external from the word of God or is taking a liberty that you shouldn't take. I've had people say, well, this is what it says. I said, that's not what it says. That is not what it says. But God's word will cause you, the focus I want you to get is that it will cause you to abide. Because I'm talking about remaining faithful and steadfast and consistent. The power to do that. They continued in fellowship to, and with each other. They continued loyal to prayer. This is one way I know that I've been filled because I desire to pray. Do you desire to pray? You may not be everything God wants you to be or you think you should be. But if you got a desire to pray, you're going somewhere. You've got something down deep within you. God will lead you. I didn't have anybody really teach me. You know, I was born again in a, in a, in a Pentecostal church of God. And I think because they all knew my dad was a pastor, they automatically thought he knows the Bible. I didn't know nothing. 
I knew John 3.16. And I barely knew that. I knew that scripture, for the Lord's come to seek and save that which was lost. Because I put little, you know, uh, little noodles and, and alphabets on a block at Vacation Bible School. So I remember that scripture. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. I knew that when I was eight, ten. But nobody really taught me the word of God. I would read it and it would just... I mean, some things I would get out of it. I read that scripture where it says that a rich man, it'd be harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than it would be for the camel to go through the eye of a needle. I thought, man, a needle. Ain't no way a camel can get through there. God said, you got it. you, You don't understand what it means, but you got it. You got it. You understand completely. And when you study that, you understand that was that little hole and that camel had to go through and in the middle of the night, get through that. In other words, what he's saying is if your whole life is to add riches to you and that's all you ever think about and pursue, then I can tell you your focus is not on God. Where's your treasure? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. I didn't understand the word, but God began to show me in prayer things that I did not know, but he told me. He told me things like, you know what, Jonathan? When you talk to your mom, I'd go and I'd pray, Teresa, and I'd just cry. And I'd say, God, I want to be holy like you. Whatever you did in my life, it's changed me. It's changed my heart. It's softened me. It's it's caused my anger and my bitterness and unforgiveness. I, 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 he told me, first thing, you got to forgive your dad. I forgave my dad. I did. And, and he told me, you know, the way you talk to your mom, you got to change that. Can't be like that, son. There was things the enemy would bring to my mind and bring filth into my mind. And he said, you can't dwell on that stuff. There's things that God dealt with. First thing he told me, went home. He said, get rid of all those pornographic books. Throw them in the trash. Done. But you know, you, when, you, when you fill your mind with that trash, you know, it's, the enemy brings back those, those visions and he brings back those images. But you just got to keep asking God, cleanse my mind, wash my mind, purge my mind. Amen. They said, oh, you're being brainwashed. I said, praise God. I'm glad he's washing my brain. He's cleansing that where there's not that desire. And he's removing those images and he's taking them away. Because the blood of Jesus will wash your mind. We need brainwash, heart, heart wash, soul wash. Amen. Amen. Listen. They had power to be loyal because... You know, they were aching and yearning to pray. They had power to give. Verse 45 says this. They were loyal in their support. This is what it says. And let me get back over here to Acts. I'm in John. Acts 2. Verse 45. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. 
The simple thing that I want to say here is I don't believe God's expecting you to go and, and drain your bank account and sell everything you've got. You've got to take care of your family and your needs. But what he's saying is we need to be people that give, that give, that support. If you are a Christian, you need to be faithful in your tithes and offerings. You just do. There's a whole reason that there's a house here for people to come to to be saved and and. And you folks know I don't get up here and ever talk about money. I'm talking about giving, not just of your finances, but be faithful to the word of God when it comes to giving. You know, and when God when I say giving, and God said bring the tithes into the storehouse, he didn't say give it to TBN if you go to new life. He didn't say, Amen. He didn't say give it to Daystar or give it to, you know, wherever. Don't give it to Jimmy Swaggart if you come to church here. And I love Jimmy Swaggart. I'm good friends with Gabe. I've got Gabe's picture in my phone I got his cell phone number and you can't have it but he's my friend when I got hit head on out here he texted me said I saw on Facebook I saw that you were in an accident are you okay I thought man that speaks volumes speaks volumes but he's a, a friend of mine dear friend every time I go to Louisiana Baton Rouge we always meet up for lunch and fellowship but what I'm trying to say to you is this simply. You know, we need to be supportive to our church. Put your tithes in that storehouse. If you go to church somewhere else, okay. But I'm going to tell you where you get your groceries, you need to come. and You need to, to be faithful in that area. You don't buy groceries at Albertsons and go pay for them down at Vaughn's Pavilions. Amen. <laughs> you don't go shop at Food for Less and go pay for it at Walmart. No. You where you get those groceries, you let you're supposed to give into that and be faithful in that. And so, but they were loyal to their giving. They were loyal in verse 46 and 47 to the church, to the temple, to worship and praise. Power to be true in every area of their lives. Amen. They came to church and they said, I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. I'm not going to say I go to new life and only go one. Once a month. Oh, yeah. Just look down. Nobody will know it's you. Power to be true. You know, if everybody in the church was like you, I want you to think about this. If everybody in the church was just like you, what kind of church would we have? There'd be... Three out of four Sundays, nobody would be here. Amen. We'd never be able to pay the bills. Just take that and just gnaw on it for a minute. Pentecost was about the harvest, a spiritual harvest that reminds us of the power of God. In verse 43, fear came upon the people, and many, women, many wonders and signs were done because the Holy Ghost brings that, and the Holy Ghost brought a favor with all of the people, God gives you favor. He gives you favor. When you need a house to live in, God opens the door. My son and my daughter-in-law lived in, in the little house where they were at. and They got Lily first and then they got Charlotte. And I thought, Lord, it's just it's enclosing in around about them. They need more room. It's not greed, it's need. And in this climate where they put up a for rent sign and within an hour it's gone because somebody's already taken it. 20 people applied and applied for that place. But I said, son, when God opens the door, you're going to know it's from him. And sure enough, amen, 
they get praying. We were believing God, and we just felt like something was going to happen. This is a year of Jubilee, amen? This is a year God's doing great things. And the house came open. And they got insider information. Praise the Lord. The Lord knows how to be a step ahead of everybody else. Praise God. So they seized on that opportunity and they got that little house over there. And I'm telling you, I've never seen my daughter-in-law smile so much in all of my life. She's so happy, amen, to have a little movement, amen. She can get around in that big old kitchen, big old living room. They got bedrooms and bathrooms and amen. Got a crazy neighbor, but that's all right, amen. Higher levels, higher devils, right? Amen. Yeah, God will bless you, but you're going to have to deal with a little few things, but that's all right, amen. Comes with the terror. Doesn't it? But all of that being said, they had favor and they got favor with this landlord. And God did great things. We need this great power in our lives, the Holy Ghost. We should seek for such a promise and live out our lives advancing the kingdom of God. We cannot live successfully or in victory without the Holy Ghost. You cannot. We must. That's why. We read this in here and we should read it often. We can't make it without Christ. We can't make it without His Spirit. We need Him. You need Him. 2006, I'm sorry, 1997. (laughs) I had to think back. I knew it had a six or seven in it. Sister Skiles and I weren't married very long, maybe four years. Might have been 98, 97, 98. Oh, and we just fought like cats and dogs. Amen. And I'll never forget one day, we pulled up in the driveway. We had a little blue, whatever it was, car. She put that car in park. 204. And she looked at me and she said, Skiles, I want to tell you something. She said, my whole life, I talked to my dad off and on when I did through a glass window. I didn't have a relationship with him. And she said, all I ever wanted was a man that would love me, serve God. And she said, I thought I found that in you. She said, but I'm going to tell you right now, I cannot live like this anymore. You're angry. Every day, our kids walk around on eggshells. The house is just, this has to stop. And I just remember sitting there. At first I thought, oh, she thought it was me. (laughs) So I went in and I got on my knees. I said, Lord, is there something that I'm not seeing? Oh, don't ask God that unless you're ready. He began to play that video and I was like, Do you ever see somebody in a store or something that acts in a way and you're like, oh, my gosh. And then God says, that's you. You just saw you in somebody else. That Holy Ghost will change you. 
will change you like the little three-year-old girl that went to Brother Clendenin's meeting. He preached on, you know, that type of life that's a hypocrite. Amen. And that little three-year-old tapped that man on the shoulder in the car. And he, she said, Daddy, today, Brother Clendenin was talking about you. We sat at a table for Thanksgiving, and I said, we all need to be thankful, and we need to learn, you know, to be good and not mean. And my little three-year-old son said, like you, Dad, oh, how could you be upset? Because out of the mouth of a baby came the truth. I'm telling you, I found the Holy Spirit will give you power to do all these things, but the greatest thing he could ever do is save you and deliver you of you. And you know, there's nothing like that because everybody will see that and know that. And it's an awesome witness of the power of God. God's talking to us today. We need to stop saying, I hope they hear, no, we need to hear it. I need to hear it. We need to hear it. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. And it does so much, and its reach is so far. This morning, if you're here, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. He can change everything about you. And you want Him to. You want Him to. Amen. You want Him to change everything about you because my question is how is how you are right now working for you how is how is that working for you let God minister to us today Father I just ask you today to draw by your spirit by your power by your anointing if there's somebody here today that's not serving you Lord I pray that you would draw them by your spirit. Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, mighty God, thank you, Jesus. Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.